This episode of Industry Focus is supported by Wonder Capital, an investing service that allows individuals to invest in solar projects across the United States. Earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Create an account for free at wondercapital.com fool. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, September 15th, 2016, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I am joined today via Skype by Motley Fool contributor Matt DeLalo. Hi, Matt. How's your uh, week going? Going really well. How's yours? Very. Uh, it's uh, still hot here in D.C., as you might imagine. You're down there in uh, South Carolina, so you probably sympathize. Oh, yeah. It's very, very hot here. Um, so, uh, I can't thank you enough for joining me on today's show. Um, for our listeners that may not be familiar with your work, uh, you're one of our more prolific energy materials writers, and uh, the space has been, uh, I think active is probably the right word, um, these past few weeks in terms of you know, M&A announcements, you had uh, Apache with that fine, I mean, it's, it's, there's been lots of news coming out of the oil and gas sector. And uh, I could not wait to get your thoughts on what's been going on. Um, before we get into recent events, can you give us some context as to where the oil in, uh, industry is today uh, and what we've seen maybe in the past in terms of M&A when these conditions last existed? Sure. Yeah. One of the things I really like about the oil and gas industry is that M&A, it, it's just fun for for some reason just to see you know big deals go about. And um, anytime oil prices go down, there seems to be like this huge wave of M&A. And uh, back in the like late 1990s, that's when all the big oil companies were, were created. And it was all due to this M&A boom uh, after um, OPEC kind of like overshot with oil supplies. And that's when you know BP bought Amico and Exxon bought Mobile and Chevron bought Texaco. And so you had all these big uh, oil and gas mergers and it seems to me like we're getting ready for that to happen again. Uh, we just had Shell buying B&G and midstream companies, you know, the pipeline companies, they're doing like tons of mergers and acquisitions. And then the Permian Basin, there's I still can't believe up. Spectra, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. And that's a thing. Like a lot of these you're not going to see coming, but we can kind of tell like maybe who's for sale and maybe who's going to be buying. And that's what's interesting. Like, for example, like both of the two Canadian companies, TransCanada and Enbridge, they just made deals. Uh, TransCanada bought Columbia Pipeline and Enbridge bought Spectra. What's interesting about those, those are both natural gas pipeline companies in the U.S. and those were oil pipeline companies in Canada. So it kind of shows where they're looking in the future. Yeah. Um, and then as far as like U.S. companies, uh, we just had energy transfer partners they they tried so hard to get Williams and that deal blew up. But um, their CEO uh, Kelsey Warren, he's like, we're gearing back up for deals. They have an M and A strategy, so we know that there's something coming down the pipeline with uh, energy transfer. They'll likely, you know, he said he was not going to go hostile again, and that was one of the problems. Like, you know, he went uh, kind of against what Williams wanted, and you know, forced them into a deal, and that didn't work. So. They'll probably do, you know, friendly deals going forward, but that's, you know, that's definitely one to watch. 
I can't and, believe and, how long that um, dragged out. I mean, it was just. Um, can you uh, really quick taking a step back? In your opinion, and you're just what we've seen over the last twenty or thirty years. Um, and it's funny you brought up the late '90s. My mom always talks about that summer, and I think it was 1998 when gas was below a dollar a gallon, and she always yeah. she would always talk about that. Um, do you think all these mergers are? The strong buying the weak when they're down. I mean, you know, the whole sector's down, but the strong will survive. And they're just kind of picking things up on the cheap. Or is it um, more trying to squeeze efficiencies out of operations? And that often means buying another player where there's there there there's some you know complementary uh, a, a complementary nature to it. it, it I think it's both, but. Given that asset values are down, they're definitely their companies are out there looking for cheap valuations. You know, for example, a pipeline that they would have had to pay twelve or fourteen times earnings a couple of years ago, they can get for like eleven or twelve. And that's what um, Southern Company did when they bought a pipeline. Uh, they joint ventured with Kinder Morgan. So there, there are these great deals out there because of valuations, but. Uh, for example, uh, energy, or, um, Enterprise Products Partners, they just went after Williams, and their whole deal was, one, to get it on the cheap, but they saw a good way to link their pipelines together. Like, And that's one of the things with pipeline companies is they it's this network effect. So, for example, Williams has this great presence in the Marcellus shale, and Energy or, um, Enterprise has a pipeline that takes NGLs like uh, ethane and propane down to the gulf coast so if you can link those two you can save money you know instead of and there's uh, a better value proposition for your customers right. i mean all kinds of good things happen yeah yeah so there's going to be a lot of those where a company is going to uh, look for a spot in their value chain that they're missing and who has that and can i get a great deal on that so i think that's going to be one of the big drivers going forward and um and then there's companies out there that are known deal makers like kinder morgan you know they half of the the growth that they've been able to accomplish over the past center whenever they went public has been m a and they haven't done a deal since they bought themselves they bought all their pipeline companies <laughs> since like they bought late, themselves <laughs> yeah late uh, 2014 or something like that and um you know so they have to be out there looking they've sold some assets lately but you know a transformative deal could accomplish a lot for kinder morgan and you know possibly restart dividend growth so i definitely think that they're out there looking gotcha what um you're, you're talking a lot about uh, you know williams and enterprise and stuff uh, what about poor uh, poor kinder morgan yeah well that that's um their problem right now is they have too much debt so they 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 want to get their leverage metric below it would be four or five point zero times EBITDA and right now it's at 5.3 so it's on the higher end of, of even what most pipeline companies have um, so there's two ways of going about that they can sell assets to get that number down or they could buy a, a company that doesn't have as high debt you know so like a stock for stock deal and that could push their leverage metric down so I think that could be something that they're looking at. They um, already did do that sale. What was it a month ago? They did it with um, was that with Williams? I'm trying. To, oh no, it was uh, Southern, Southern Company. Yeah, it was Southern Company. Yeah, uh, so yeah, they're doing a little big bit of that. for them. Yeah, because yeah, what did they get? Two or three billion? 
uh, I believe here. it was like 1.5 billion in cash, and then they they handed over like half of the debt. So it like knocked their leverage metric yeah, down so below. That's, that's obviously you know. good. Yeah, so it was a good deal. Cool. All right, well, before we move on to talking about some attractive takeover targets, I wanted to take a moment to talk briefly about our sponsor. Uh, We are probably not going to be using oil forever, so what if you could help combat global climate change and make money at the same time? Introducing Wonder Capital, the award-winning online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in solar energy projects across the U.S. Wonder's online investment platform allows you to earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Your investment in Wonder's fully managed solar investment funds goes directly to helping the U.S. small and medium-sized businesses install solar panels. As those businesses repay their loans to Wonder, you receive monthly payments directly deposited into your bank account. Individuals who've previously invested in Wonder Capital have supported the installation and long-term financing for a high-end storage facility in Florida, a government office building in Minnesota, and many other projects across the country. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. Create an account for free at wondercapital.com fool. That's Wonder with a U. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. So, Matt, um, obviously, a bunch of players in the oil and gas space, particularly pipelines, been pretty acquisitive lately. Um, but uh, we are, of course, investors here at the Fool. So, more importantly, what do we see? What do you see around the bend in terms of potential takeover candidates? Yeah, it, it's one I'll, I'll I'll put out there. Um, well, first of all, it's hard to predict these like Spectra Energy that came in out of nowhere. And so, in one sense, it's it your your better bet is to buy a strong company and you know hold on to that. But there are some really good strong companies that I think would make good takeover targets, or would you know they're just good strong companies in general. Either way, uh, you'll win. Obviously, like that's the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, absolutely. And Williams is one of those. You know, it's beaten down because. You know, it had so many problems with the energy transfer merger. Um, now, we know that Enterprise Products Partners was interested in them, and they just walked away. However, William said that they were surprised by that announcement and that their board is always would consider a strategic alternative like a merger if that was a, a good way to create value. So I don't think that... Personally, that Williams is going to be a standalone company forever. Um, I really think it it would fit well with a Kinder Morgan, possibly. Because um, they're so no that, longer uh, the biggest. That was the the big outcome of the Spectre deal, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor, um, poor KMI. <laughs> uh, Spectre was apparently considering Williams, you know, a couple of months ago. So, you know, and uh, Kinder Morgan, you know, they're always interested. And then. Um, Another one I like, and it's it's not very well it's not very well known, but it's Targa Resources, and they did like a Kinder Morgan thing where they had an MLP and they brought it in house, and they've done a lot over the past couple of months to lower their leverage. So we mentioned earlier that Kinder Morgan's leverage is 5.3 times that's EBITDA. Well, the Targa's is 3.6 times. Oh wow! So a lot lower. So if a Kinder Morgan bought them, it would, and if they paid, you know, all stock, it would lower their leverage metrics. And it also has great positions in the Bakken and the Permian Basin. So it would fill some gaps for a company like Kinder Morgan or a company like Enterprise Products Partners, which lacks in those two areas. 
And um, you know, Target was almost bought out by Energy Transfer in 2014. The deal just fell through. Um, and that's when uh, Energy Transfer switched to Williams. Why are all so, these deals falling through, do you think? Uh, I think it, uh, well, a lot of it had to do with oil prices and companies were just freaking out about, you know, how low is it going to go? And, um, you know, in an energy transfers case, they, they did a, a poor job negotiating. They wanted to do an all equity deal, but Williams wanted some cash. And in order to pay that cash, energy transfer needed to take on $6 billion in debt. And the market didn't like that because, right. you know, debt in a falling market is just a bad Well, that's sign. why KMI had to cut their dividend last year. They had that credit uh, rating scare and everything. So, right. yeah. 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 So, and that's really what did in the, the energy transfer deal, Williams deal was debt. So, you know, companies that don't have a lot of debt, they're going to be highly valued. Gotcha. So I'm looking at Targa real quick here. Um, they've been free cash flow positive, and they've stayed that way this whole time. Um, yields pretty darn attractive. You, you're you're pretty sure that's safe as well. It, it looks like it. Uh, like I said, they have low levels of debt. They don't have a whole lot of capital projects going forward, and they're primarily fee based. So last I checked, it was 78 percent fee based. So, so not the highest, that. but that's pretty good. Basically, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, very and, good. So, talk to me about the Permian because how do I put this? So, this whole time we've talking about we've been talking about how you know everybody's you know if they're merging, it's like mostly stock. That's what you know the deal was with Spectra. Deals are falling through because of debt worries and all this stuff. But every, it seems like every day it's not, but it it's definitely seems like it. I come into the office and I check my oil and gas news, and somebody did something in the Permian. And that's kind of been the story for a year now. Um, for our listeners that don't know, the Permian Basin is basically that section of uh, it's the huge uh, geological formation in West Texas and it extends into Oklahoma. And um, I mean, th- Every day, it's you know, uh, EOG just had that three billion dollar deal. They brought, or was, was it two and a half? They bought uh, yeah. that private company um, there in the Delaware Basin, which is actually just the subsection of the Permian. Um, so, Mr. Delalo, why is everybody cutting everywhere but the Permian? Because it's economic at current prices. There's so much oil. So, just for some history, the Permian Basin's been producing since 1929. So it's this old legacy oil basin. However, they had been going down vertically to drill wells, and so they would get you know a couple hundred barrels you know a day from these wells, and it was fine and good. Um, however, once they switched over to horizontal drilling, it was like this aha moment where they could pull out more oil in six months, and they were getting out in like decades. So and it's even better than the Eagle Ford down there in South Texas. Yeah, yeah, it's not uh, as oily as the Eagle Ford or the Bakken, but it's the combination of how much they can pull out and the cost. So you know, like in the Bakken, it might cost ten million dollars to drill a well, but they're going to get a million barrels of oil over the lifetime of the well. So the economics work out at a certain oil price. Now in the Permian, they can get like. 2 million barrels of oil equivalent. So it's oil, gas, and NGLs. 
um, for let's say six or seven million dollars. So the economics are just so much better when you when you right, have yeah. that combination. So you know that's drawing all these companies in, and they're they're buying up as much land as possible because the economics are so good at current prices that they can they can drill. You have companies like uh, Pioneer Natural Resources. They're they're still growing production. Now we have an oversupply of oil in the country, and yet they're growing the production. At first it was ten percent, then it was twelve percent. Now it's thirteen percent this year. Part of that's efficiency gains, and part of it's just that it's so good they're able to get more oil than they initially thought, and that's what's drawing all these companies in. And like you mentioned, they're just buying things up, and they're paying a lot of money. Yeah, I can't uh, believe some of these numbers. If you want to share a few of them. Yeah, so Pioneer Natural Resources, they just bought land from Devon. They paid, it was 28,000 acres for $435 million. So it's about $15,000 an acre, which was pretty good compared to what some of its peers are paying. So this PDC Energy, just last month, they bought 57,000 acres for $1.5 billion, which is about $26,000 an acre. So it's you know $10,000 more an acre. And then uh, Concha Resources, they paid 1.265 billion for 40,000 acres, and that's $40,000 an acre. Wow! And so the price just keeps going up. Uh, SM Energy they just paid roughly $40,000 an acre for a deal. So you have these companies that they're paying big dollars because even with that initial investment, they're still going to make a ton of money. Um, and then you have EOG. They just they only pay like seven or eight thousand dollars an acre for great land just because they were able to negotiate an amazing deal. Um, but it just shows that the companies are willing to pay a ton of money for Permian land. Gotcha. So um, this obviously, the, ne- the next question obviously then becomes, um, are there companies that you might, you know, you like in that are in the Permian right now in a, in a meaningful way? Yeah. Um, who doesn't like companies in the Permian these days? <laughs> Um, now, so Pioneer Natural Resources, they're like one of the leaders in the Permian, um, but I did some math on them. So it's a $32 billion company, and they have about 800,000 acres in the Permian. Now, that's the enterprise value, right? So that's stock market yeah. value plus debt. So that's the whole yeah. kitten caboodle. Okay, go on. So if you do the math on that, their acreage in the Permian is worth about $40,000, which that's pretty high compared to some of the other metrics. Yeah. And then I did some math in some of the other ones. And uh, one that stood out to me was Concha Resources. They're worth about $20.5 $20. billion, and they have uh, almost 700,000 acres. And if you do the math, that's just less than $30,000 an acre. So if you're looking for a value compared to Pioneer Natural Resources, Concha stands out. And then um, another one that I saw that really stood out was Energen. They're about a $6 billion company, and they have 225,000 acres. And if you do the math on that, it's about $26,000 an acre. So if I was a company that was looking for an acquisition, I would look at these and say, you know what, I can get uh, Energen for $26,000 an acre. That's much better than you know if I bought a, a private deal, for example. Right. Or, man, I can scoop up Concho and just get this whole ton of land out there. So what do you think the so, reason is uh, before we head out here for the disparity there? Is Pioneer just more ex- uh, you know more efficient than Concho or Energen and therefore, you know, the 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 enterprise should be worth more even though the land itself is is uh the same or is it that they they have better acreage in the Permian? 
there, there's a little that um, now Pioneer does have some land in the Eagleford and some other places, so that would you know change the value. They also have higher production, so there's there's a lot of factors. This is just like a you know kind of a back yeah. of the envelope. But Pioneer is also well known by investors. They're the leader in with the Midland Basin, which is the eastern portion. So, you know, they're just at a premium price these days. And then there's some others. Um, Diamondback Energy is very popular these days. Their valuation from my math is like almost $80,000 an acre. Oh, and that's because they're growing so fast and investors, you know, really want that growth. But if you're looking, if you look in the middle, sometimes you can find some interesting targets that they're doing the same thing. Like Pioneer's growing their production by about uh, 15%. Concho, they believe they can grow their production by 20%. So you're still getting that really good growth. You're getting pretty good economics. So, you know, for investors, you know, maybe they're never a takeout target, but they still look like a good long-term investment. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you for your thoughts. And I can't thank you enough uh, for joining me on the show today. Oh, no problem. Have a good one. You too. That is it for us, folks. We would uh, like to give a special shout out to our producer, Austin Morgan, who's behind the glasses we speak, working his video and audio magic. And if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Matt DeLalo, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!